Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you, the listener, to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. What is up? Welcome to episode 124. Thanks so much for listening. It means so much to me. If I brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit that subscribe button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Let me know what you want to hear more of and please be sure to share the podcast. I'm truly grateful for your support. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Hashdash. Currently, consumers leverage multiple online resources to research, find, and purchase cannabis products. Hashdash has created a single source for education, products, brands, dispensaries, and takes it one step further by pairing users with products that match their profile and needs through their unique matching algorithm, the smartest way to search and match with cannabis products. Sign up for their free beta release at hashdash.com. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter at hashdash and on Instagram at hashdash.com. Since last year, I started offering one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. We create a platform that allows you to set goals, work on your communication skills, well-being, leadership, team management, emotional intelligence, productivity, or healthy habits. For those of you that are interested in a one-on-one -on -one coaching session, click the button on my Instagram profile labeled Book Now, or click the link in any of my social media bios and click Book now. And speaking of my social media bio link, I've made it easier to locate the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Breaker. I've also linked my TikTok account as I'll be playing around with that platform more this year and YouTube and of course the Facebook page. And you'll notice something right below that, an exciting new Facebook group called Motivated Minds. The intention of this new group is to connect and interact with like-minded individuals, share your journey, connect with an accountability buddy, and create a motivated community. Be sure to check it out and join the group either by clicking the link in my social media bio, visiting the Motivated Mind Facebook page and clicking groups, or just clicking the link in the episode notes.
Today, we have a very special guest on the podcast, Alex Kuhn, founder of Born to Lead, that helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs become the leaders they were born to be and start, grow, and scale six, seven, and eight-figure businesses. Having trained for the Olympics at age 12 for swimming, he learned at a very young age what it takes to achieve anything you put your mind to. At age 24, he became one of the youngest NCAA coaches and established himself as a game-changing leader. Alex's work has helped leaders build businesses that align with who they are, resonate with who they want to be, and intuitively fulfill where they want to go. I hope you all enjoy our conversation today. Alex, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks for jumping on. Scott, so pumped to be here and just our little you know conversation right before this episode. I just really feel like we're going to vibe on some things that, yes, leadership, but man, I feel like we're going to go in some cool directions. So glad to be here. Awesome. I completely agree. I already feel the energy heating up in the room and that is wonderful. I always like to start at base camp, ground zero. Let's provide listeners with your background, obviously you're an extremely motivated individual and very have a lot of achievements, but who are you, your origin story, and what are you up to these days? Well, it's so funny you talk about the origin story because I always tell like, you know, I always talk about like the first three businesses that I started kind of kerplunked or kind of squash. And one of them was actually called origin. So I love that verbiage there because I do believe going back to people's origin story really gives you such an insight that no data or no analytics can really understand the heart of an organization and the heart of leadership. And the first thing I want everyone to know about me is that I am truly obsessed with leadership to the point that anybody out there, whether it's from a personal development perspective or a professional development perspective, I believe the meta skill that everybody has, whether they've been able to tap into it or not, is leadership. And for me, you know, leadership has been one of those things that has always been a part of my DNA, or at least I was recognizing of it from a very young age. You know, my father and I have a, a great relationship, even to this day, where we talk every single day. And I can remember he picked me up from a swim practice one day. And just like a father-son relationship, we were, you know, we like to joke with each other. We like to, to get out, see if we can get each other each other's skin. And even at that age, and I can remember telling my dad, I was like, you can't say anything to make me mad. I was nine years old, probably a little bit of a brat at the point as well. And my dad's like, are you sure? And I said, yes, you can't say a single thing. And he just said this sentence and he said, Alex, you are a follower. And nine-year-old Alex got super mad because there was a part of me that was like, no, 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 I'm not following other people. I'm doing my own thing in my own way and my own unique perspective. And I even knew that at that age and whether it was following, you know, down a, a path of swimming where if you meet me, I'm five, nine, I'm built like a wrestler. You know, I should have maybe done a totally different sport, but I love swimming. I love the, the concentration. I love the work ethic you had to go in. And I got as far as I could in that sport. You know, which ultimately led to one of my first careers as a college head coach and a college swim coach and made my name for there in my first seven years. Um, but I think all of us, you know, and everyone that's listening to this, you know, wherever you are, whether you're in that solopreneur stage or some of you might be extremely successful in running multi-million dollar companies. But there's that point, I think, all of us here, and I like to call it born leaders, where you just truly, you just feel like, man, like I, I, things are good. People are telling you life's great. Everyone's saying you're a success. But there's some part of you that says, listen, I, I was meant to do something worthwhile in this world. I was meant to do something of legacy. 
And while I loved, I loved coaching swimming and I was on the fast track to being one of the top swim coaches in the country. I just said, you know what? I got something bigger in mind. I got something bigger that I was meant to do. So that's when I went into the entrepreneurial world and I'll keep it very short because I feel like we're going to talk a lot about the pieces I've learned along the way. But, you know, over eight years, what I've really discovered is that, you know, having started and sold two multi-million dollar business myself, now really teaching all over the world on topics such as leadership and really those coaches and consultants and how they get out of that one-on-one work and truly lead groups of tens, hundreds, and thousands of people. I find time and time again, the difference between everybody being taught about the hustle and grind of an entrepreneur versus really following what your own skill set is, tapping into what your real natural talent is as a leader. I believe that's the difference between why 99% of entrepreneurs are failing versus that 1% that are succeeding. And thankfully, I've been working with so many people and we've been able to validate this time and time again. And I'm so excited, Scott. I really, I really can't wait to share some of the things that we are teaching, some of the things we're sharing. And more importantly, not in just like this is our system, but more importantly, how you can find what's going to work best for you. Alex, I, I love you immediately, man. There are so many amazing things that you just said. First place I want to start because this, this truly hits my core. And you were just talking about the purpose component, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 really the driver to you. But we live in a world where we've glorified entrepreneurship and the hustle component that you've been talking about, mm-hmm. and and starting your own company, doing your own thing. And of course, I believe in that as long as it's done with clear intention and purpose, not this click and you fall into just creating a business to make money. That's like saying I'm living just to breathing. No, there's there's way more behind that. And I believe that a number of those that are looking at starting their own thing are looking at it purely from the making money standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. The monetary value of it. And the biggest thing that they are missing before even pulling up to that starting line is building a business around who they are, their authentic self, their passion, their purpose, their driver. I want to dive into the meat of that, like why that is. Foundationally, it's so critical to anyone thinking about starting their own business, and it keeps that fuel kind of pumping through your blood so that every day you have a reason for doing. Making money, that's not a reason for doing. And I want to get into the core of that and why the foundation of that is crucial to long-term success. The major reason, Scott, and this is, I believe, is the biggest myth. Most people believe the business is the reason it fails. But so often in my experiences, and even with my former failures, and even when people come to me and saying this didn't work, it wasn't the business that failed. It was the leader that broke down first. And so if we look at the end of the day, whether you're starting this with yourself or you're starting something with partners or you're starting it with a team, at the end of the day, or if you are operating out of your zone of genius, if you're operating out of your areas that you lack talent, where there's a long education process and a long learning process, and really you're, you're trying to build a business that does not match your natural talents, More often than not, it's number one. Let's just look at it this way. Number one, most people want to do things they're good at. 
And so if you continue the struggle over time, you know, psychologically, we call it cognitive dissonance, where very simply your actions and your mindset don't match up. And ultimately, that's when you see higher levels of depression, higher levels of anxiety. And most people, yes, we can hear the stories about the, the entrepreneur who struggled for 20 years and finally made it. Listen, those stories are very few and far between. And between you and me, they don't actually ever add up. The more I talk to those people, those stories are just not true. They're great myths. They're great legends, but they're not the reality. So the first thing is that, are you actually taking care of yourself? Because if the leader breaks down in the business, the business never has a chance to succeed. The second thing is it doesn't matter if it's a SaaS company. It doesn't matter if it's a coaching company, no matter what. People always want to buy and work with people they like, know, and trust. And if you really, truly want to build that instant credit, instant credibility, instant relationship with people, you want them to experience you at your best. You want them to experience you in an area where they say, wow, this person's got talent. Wow, this person's got skill. Wow, this person's got energy. Wow, this person's got fire. And as you kind of mentioned, Scott, right, you can tell right away, I'm a, I'm a very high energy, I'm a people, people's type of person. So why would I ever start a company where I'm sitting behind a desk 24-7, never working with anybody, never talk with anybody? That would just be insane for me, insane for my talents. So I think at the end of the day, most people think when they start a business, they've got to go into a, this idea, well, I've got to learn so much. I got to learn the hustle. I got to learn the grind. I got to figure out all the gaps in my area to fix. Whereas my mission for every entrepreneur right now is this, is that the hustle mindset, the hustle focus is killing your ability to understand that if you don't build the business around what works for you right now, you will never get a point where the business will ultimately work for you. Beautifully said. I, I actually had as part of my intro on this, I used the word hustle and it was, I had it since 2018. I'm like, I got to get rid of that because there's a huge misconception around that. And I like to think of it, we're kind of like water in a way. We're going to, we should naturally choose the path of least resistance. And it's the irony behind it. You can hustle all day to your point and work on something that you're not naturally talented at. But a swimmer doesn't get out of a pool and say, hey, I'm going to become the best cornerback in the league in the NFL, right? Most of the time, to your point about legends. And I think, you know, I talk about self-awareness a lot, but being able to understand truly who you are and what your strengths are, just as uh, leaders Good leaders are leaders that recognize the strengths and the weaknesses of their employees and say, John, you're really good at X and I want to see you continue to succeed and grow not only in the enterprise, but outside of it when you go somewhere else. So I'm going to place you in a position that gets you to that place. But our judgment when you're a leader or starting a business, being a leader is very much impaired when you're struggling and you're burning yourself out. And that's what I mean behind the irony behind it. We, some people go into this place of, I'm going to start a business because I want to start a business and it's a cool thing to do. And it's this huge compounded just domino effect that happens where now you're waking up and you question why you're even doing that thing. You wake up and you don't feel as passionate. And now 
to your point about the motivation and the actual energy and the the actions behind it, they don't match and they don't line up. And I see so many people, I get so many people DMing me, you know, I don't know what my strengths are. I don't know what my weaknesses are. What, you know, where's an area that you look? Because I know for you, you're a great identifier of, okay, this employee, this is definitely their strength. I'm going to put them here so they excel, which will give back to the business. It pays dividends. So, uh, you know, as an individual, how do you get to a place where you can recognize or even exercises that you can go through to say, okay, these are my my skills and here's what I'm passionate about and kind of break that down? Sure. I'm going to even answer that question after a minute because you probably saw me, uh, for everybody who's never met me or heard me before, I, I never want to, I'm a. am always thinking of new ideas and thinking of ways to make sure that the insights and the inspiration that I try to provide is applicable to you. And one of the things you said to me that just came across so clearly is this idea of how entrepreneurs identify themselves versus the people I'm seeing succeed as leaders identify. And there were three words that came to mind. And I think most entrepreneurs have heard at some level, whether it's from the, the guru that told them to do this, or they see the million of Instagram posts, but those are hustle, grind, and sacrifice. And we hear these words as entrepreneurs, which a lot of times means hustle means that I better get working harder and faster and basically burn the midnight oil. Grind means I must do the things that I I don't want to do, or I must do them with people that I can't stand. Like I got to take on that client, even though I hate them there, I got to continue to work with them. And then finally sacrifice the idea that I got to, maybe I got to sacrifice time with my family. I got to sacrifice the, my health, this idea that it's either you're all in or all out. And that's the only way to succeed. And I believe from a holistic perspective, time and time again, as you've mentioned, that's burning people out. And so this is not a lesson I even teach people, but this is one that I would say the first thing is that how do you identify yourself is literally one of the most important things you can start with. And when we look at all the paradigm shifting leaders I work with time and time again, I talk to them about these three things. One, alignment. Are you aligning with your purpose? Are you aligning with yourself? Are you aligning with the people that you want to work around with? Are you aligning your talents? The second one is resonance. Are the people that you want on your team or the people that you want to work with, you resonate with them. You just literally like those people. And then finally, intuition. The ability to trust your judgment and take quick action on that decision as opposed to sitting back and almost overanalyzing what I should or shouldn't do. But I, at the end of the day, the answer I typically give Scott is success DNA. We can talk, we're going to talk more about that because that is one of the areas I know as leaders that most people think you got to be the charismatic person. But for everybody that's listening to this, I just feel this calling to tell everyone that at the end of the day, my biggest challenge for everyone is, are you looking at your identity and asking yourself, am I identifying myself in the way that's actually holding me back from the business, from the leader that I was born to be? If you aren't, if you're really stuck on these three things, I feel with conviction more than now ever. Let's put it this way. If entrepreneurs were succeeding all the time, then yes, that's the answer. But it's not. The stats prove it. In fact, the outliers prove the exact opposite of those words. So why are we following what everybody says is the average? Why are we not following the outliers that are actually being successful? So I think one of the first things is the identity. Now, let me talk a little bit very specifically, how do you quickly identify your leadership talent? And we call that success DNA. Very simply, it's understanding the best way for you to lead other men and women. 
Simply, most people take this leadership definition as you have to be an authoritative leader or you have to be a servant leader. But I believe at the end of the day that all a leader is is somebody who is using their talents to impact lives. It's my very simple definition. And I find time and time again, if we just go with that, then ultimately it opens us to allow us to see what's the best way for us to lead. And I have identified four types time and time again that really resonate with most people. The first one is developer. And when you think of developer, you think of coach. This is the person who can ask the questions or can talk to the group and the group can kind of figure it out themselves. They kind of raise their own level to another another higher being. It's not like they're inspiring. It's not like they're, they're getting them to do anything other than just asking them questions that make them feel better about the work they're doing. They're raising themselves to another level. The second is the architect. And the architect is the person who knows exactly, can look at a big vision and knows exactly what processes and implementable systems that they can put in place and know who to put in those places. This is some one area of leadership that we don't usually identify as the leader because technically we think of this as a project manager. We hear these things or a multitasker. We use these words in a way to downplay it. But I will tell you, most organizations ultimately can never scale because they cannot find that type of leader. Architects are necessary when you're trying to scale your business. The third type of leader is the motivator, and that's my natural type. It is the person who can get others to say yes, whether it's to the vision, whether it's to the product, whether it's to the, the business, whatever it is. Like Basically, it's, and it's not about the idea of having high energy. That's why I think most people hear about motivator. They simply know how to use their words to communicate other people to buy in to say yes. And then finally, the fourth which we often think of as the Holy Grail, which is the visionary. But really simply, a visionary is someone who can anticipate the future and what opportunities are going to be presented there and ultimately know what they need to do today to get to that point. All of these leadership types are important. Every single leadership type has had the ability to build the business as far as you want. It doesn't really matter. You don't have to be a visionary. You don't have to be just this person. You've got to have literally ultimately all people in place as you're continuing to grow and scale. But you got to know more importantly where you are. And so you can start there. So you can start with that base of talent because that's going to be the easiest way for everybody, everybody listening to this, to start their business, grow their dreams, hit that vision. You know, one of the things that I've witnessed with with leadership too is that a authoritative figure that you had mentioned earlier on and it's becoming more common now but leaders leading with mm. more empathy you know this word empathy has come up a lot and it's something that i really try to it's an ingredient i try to throw into mm. my leadership soup if you will and i'll give you a, a good example I have a, a, a BDR, a biz dev rep, that was struggling with uh, her personal relationship out of work. And I saw that it was starting to influence her success. And rather than be that authoritative figure and say, why aren't you doing this thing? We need to get this done. I took a step back to understand, well, how can I help out? How can I add value in her life? Which will, there's a return. And the expectation wasn't uh, the return. It was to truly lead with empathy and just help support someone. And interestingly enough, I had a wonderful guest on the on the podcast, Lauren, who was, uh, we spoke about narcissism and relationships. And I DM'd her and said, hey, I have an employee that's struggling. And I think you could add value to her life if you're open to talking to her. And she said, absolutely. And the amount of happiness that it brought to my employee 
that someone took the time instead of just looking at the business as a thing of production and just to keep on plowing ahead and be that authoritative figure, I could have sat there all day and push, push, push. That wouldn't have done her any good. And that the leadership component is that long-term vision of understanding what's the impact of my action today that will allow her to be successful tomorrow and a year from now. And when she does end up any day, if it happens, leaving the company and going to another business, what does then she bring to that business? And how does that, the system always pays back. And the other thing is when that employee then leaves, what do they say about that company? Hey, leadership over there leads with empathy. They actually care about you. You're not a number on a spreadsheet. You're not a person. You're a a, a, a blood vessel in the living organism of business. And it kills me. It really does deep down when leaders struggle to understand that the people are the reason their business is successful. You, They don't work for you. You work for them. Your intention, your purpose every day is to come in and, and lift them to the mountain that they belong on. And if you do that, they will naturally produce for you. Mm, I love that. I love that story. It reminds me of when I go into these corporations and they want me to do leadership training, because a lot of times they'll say, hey, we want high performing teams. We want we want teams that are optimized. Right. These are the very business words. Right. And so one of the first exercises I go into, I say, OK, what do you believe is the most important trait of your culture to get your team to perform at its highest levels? And you you see like accountability. Those are the words. You know, sometimes you see. Uh, what's the other word? I always see accountability is always a big one. Um, you see leadership is always a word. Cause like, okay, he's the leadership guy. So he's going to say leadership. So it's almost like they're trying to get the quiz, right? I, I, what's his answer. I'm trying to figure out his answer. Right. And usually most people never get the answer. And the answer I write on the board every single time is safety. So often when people are joining your team, there are really two things that people really want. Number one, they want to feel safe in your environment. With all the different movements that are happening in our country, if we are not understanding that if we are not building a safe organization for our teams, a safe organization for people, a safe organization for our clients, how are we going to ever expect them to achieve success? How are they going to ever, how are you ever going to expect them to do the work we hope to help us achieve our vision? And that's the first thing I look at every single, it doesn't matter if you're a coach right now doing one-on-one -on -one work. It doesn't matter if you are a, you know, of Inc. 5000 CEO. If you don't, if you look at your culture and you're trying to talk about all these fancy words and, you know, innovation and stuff, if safety is not in your culture at some level, you're never going to get a team that A, is going to stick around long and B, is going to achieve its highest level of performance. And the second thing, just to even build on that, these are the only two things I look at when teams, like it's very simple. It, is it a safe culture? And the second thing is, is leadership and management, which is what I loved about your story, Scott, are they helping them achieve their dreams? Listen, how many times do we say, hey, tell us your 90-day goals and 30, 60, 90 progress reports and all these managers looking for is, what are you doing for the company? You know, what are you doing for this? But yet nobody gives them the chance to say, what, what do you want? Like, what do you want to achieve in this? I forget the work. What do you want to achieve outside of this work? What do you want to achieve, you know, beyond, you know, your eight hours here or 10 hours at the office today? 
And listen, just even starting to ask that question just instantly shows as you've just demonstrated, Scott, empathy. Just literally taking the time to understand what's important in their world and how this job is helping them to achieve that vision that they have for themselves. Sure, some of it, it might be a stepping stone. And having that open, honest conversation that this job might be a stepping stone to another position, great. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we are put on this planet to do? If we are mentors, if we're leaders, if we're CEO, whatever our title is, who cares what our title is? Isn't our people to raise other people to new levels? Isn't it our job to get them to a vision? I've had some incredible teams through all my investments and all my different organizations. And a lot of them have left at some level. Some of them wanted to be full-time moms. Some of them wanted to go run their own organizations. And I'm proud of it because I know some of the experiences I had growing up where people got pissed at me or angry at me because I was trying to do something with my life. And I vowed to never never bring that type of energy into anybody else's world. So I love that story, Scott. And I think it's just such a great message that you and I need to continue to instill in everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you, you hit on a, on a note for me because the, you know, I, I had someone reach out the other day and they were asking some questions about how to approach a specific um, meeting. And where the conversation started to track was, listen, this is also an opportunity and the employer should understand. And if they don't, maybe it's not the right position for you that your needs are also important. And I think to what we're talking, the talk track we're on here, I think a, a lot of employees and leaders get this idea that it's metric driven and we got to hit the numbers. We got to hit the quarterly figure. We got to get the growth. And the, the irony that we were talking about is failing to understand that there's humans in the operation. There's down to the smallest organism it needs to eat to survive. And if you're not highlighting what that purpose or, or what the intention or goals of that employer are outside of the organization, how does that ecosystem continue to grow? It doesn't. And then you fight up against this wall every single day to just push metrics. And then your turnover is high. You're struggling to understand why the business is not growing. And it's because you weren't leading with empathy and sitting down with that person and saying, tell me more about you. What do you What do you want out of the business? And there's something that I always do in interviews is I go to that place. What do you want out of it? And and don't give me don't don't give me this answer because you're trying to to fancy me up or brown nose in the interview and give me this thing like be selfish for a second. I, I want to see the selfish side of you for a moment because that's the beautiful side. Because if I know at the core what you want, I can help deliver it every day. And again, I know that it's going to continue to pay back and. I just, it, it, it kills me when a business sits there and goes, geez, I, I wonder why things aren't working out. And it's, I know not everything is extremely obvious, but one of those things where it's, when's the last time you just talked to someone like a human? Like this isn't a script. This isn't a, a number on an Excel file. This is a person. And I, you know, I think that there's a lot of selflessness in people being selfish, Because when they give themselves what they want, they return a lot to the world. Going back to our point about starting a business around who you are, 
not hitting that head on and leading with purpose means you get to create something so unique and so natural to you. And you inspire so many people around you. And it always is baffling to me when people are afraid of their good team members leaving to your point and moving on to doing those other things, being a full-time mom or, or starting a marketing agent, whatever the case is. That is that's how you attract more talent, right? You you can't the, the point is to not hold everything to you and and be selfish with those things. It's almost like people um you have a business idea and you want someone to sign an NDA over it. And I'm like, okay. You want to know my belief on that? If if you need to sign an NDA on something because you're afraid that someone's gonna steal your idea, then good for them that they were able to execute it better than you were. Step up yeah. your game. Maybe you refocus the purpose. And so that stuff is so important to me, Alex. And I and I love that you're focusing on that and you're you're spreading that message. And kind of segueing off of that, I'm obsessed with with process. Efficiency is just everything. And I I want to be clear here so we don't this isn't misconstrued, but I don't want it to be thrown into the hustle bucket. You know, mm-hmm. it's something that I really zero on with myself and my teams over the last year, I would say more than last year, I've been really focusing on my process, like addicted to it. And it has been such a pillar of success for Amazon, right? Love them or hate them. Their obsession with process has led to an extremely well-oiled machine and has allowed them to play offense while all of their competitors play defense. And by the time they do that thing, hey, we're gone. We're in the next football field. Mm -hmm. This process component, why is this process component, the the vision so crucial to success and just long-term happiness? How do you hone in on the skill and refining that? Yeah, I one of the things that I have found for many entrepreneurs, for everybody that's on here, a lot of people that I find in the personal development space, and I'm not saying this is always, but those that are natural architects instantly go to process. Developers, visionaries, motivators, for those I heard in an earlier podcast, they they typically don't go to processes and systems. They tend to, again, obviously we want them to build strengths around it, but ultimately speaking, processes are important. Systems are important. And we have a motto within my organization. We actually call it work hard once. And very simply, it's this is that when we do something, we're going to work really hard to get it right. And it doesn't mean it's going to happen the first time. In fact, we don't expect it to happen the first time. In fact, our goal is to try to hit a C or B on our first or second try. The idea of it is this, is that when, and I'll use, I'm going to use a different example. I want to imagine everybody thinking if you're a surgeon, and imagine you're a heart surgeon, okay? And you go in and there's this whole new procedure and you have to go in and perform this new heart procedure that's going to be so much better, but yet you're obviously going to have the one that's going to match the skill. You're obviously going to practice it through a number of repetitions. And when you're a heart surgeon, you can't have a success rate of 70%. You can't have a success rate of 80%. You can't have a success rate of 90%. You can't have a success rate of 97%. You have to have a success rate of 99.9999% basically to the point. Thus, the surgeon is practicing again and again and again and again. So this idea of repetition, and the reason I use surgeon is because that is one of the fields that I can think of that truly has to be even and operating at a 99.999% factor. Most businesses, even Amazon, even you would hear them admit, understand that most of their processes are performing at a B 
or B plus. But certain processes, the ones that are important to their organization, have to be working at an A plus, an A plus zone, so their businesses can succeed. Amazon's going to be probably the first to tell you they're going to be, they are the best at this, but they are not the best at this. Just like Google say, we're the best at this, but we're not the best at that. And at the end of the day, looking at everybody in your organization, it's understanding and identifying what systems need to be perfected and worked on to the point where you are performing at an A level, while understanding that some of your other systems can be running at a C or B level, and they're working well enough for the organization to be successful. So often, many people see here and say, I got to get it right the first time. It's just nonsense. Nobody, nobody in this world would expect anybody to be perfect the first time. Nobody's Beethoven. Very few people are Beethoven when it comes to that particular skill. But if we go into it with an experimental mindset and ultimately working hard once to make sure that we get a system started and then continue tweaking it until it becomes better, ultimately you're going to build systems, whether it's with your teams, whether it's your technology or a combination of both. I always, when I, when I think of this, I think of a split testing, right? So there's a, a beautiful book called The Lean Startup. I know it's mm-hmm. fairly well known and they talk about uh, split testing. And it's one of the reasons why I get really fascinated about tech companies in general, being able to do split testing. The whole point of life is to test, is to explore. And you're 100% right to think that in the first go around, that process is going to be flawless and you'll have no problems is a really bad mindset out of the gate because when it doesn't hit 100%, Now you're disheartened and you're thrown off your tracks, which deters you from wanting to do more testing. And so, yes, the the return in the moment is that there's a struggle there with that process. But beyond that, how do you think about the impact that it creates? Because if you're no longer able or you're nervous or scared or fearful about doing another test or deploying some sort of different angle or perspective on something, you're not going to take those leaps. So you're greatly compromising the bigger pie here by by holding yourself back and, and, and setting the improper expectation. Now you've just compromised way more than that singular process. And I'm a huge, huge fan of, of split testing. There, you know, I've seen this quote around. I know it's been around for a long time, but there's one thing successful people all have in common. They have failed and they have failed a lot because the only way that they got, they collected all of that information. Sure, they could read, they could do things. You could read about sit-ups. It doesn't give you a six-pack, but, and the same thing goes for business. Until you do those things and you understand what the return is, then you can go back to the drawing board and say, okay, that didn't work. We need to adjust C and D and F. But until you go to that place and explore and actually pull back those layers, there's a lack of understanding. And that's that hindsight is always 2020 when people look back and say, man, I wish I took a a different path. It's like, well, of course you say that now because you have more information. Of course, if you had that information before, you would have been able to make that decision. But now you have something special. You have the information. So you're able to refine your execution Then next time, it won't be 100% either. It might increase by 5% or 10%. But the point is to continue to try and evaluate. Deploy, analyze. Deploy, analyze. I love that. It reminds me of, there's a study 
that looked at all these kids and they did this study. And some of you may have heard this story about how, what was the difference between kids that were going to be successful versus the kids that weren't. And it was called the marshmallow test. And very simply is this, the scientist went to the, the child and said, listen, I can give you one marshmallow now, or if you wait 10 minutes, I'll give you two marshmallows. And I don't know if all the details are, are accurate, so my apologies for everybody who knows the study way better than I do. But long story short, the kids that were able to wait 10 minutes and get two marshmallows had a higher level of financial success, marital success in their lives than the kid that had one. And the theory is this, is that those individuals were able to set long-term intentions and able to stick to it long enough to achieve higher levels of success versus those who wanted that instant gratification ultimately were kind of not as successful because they didn't look at the long-term picture. So let's take this back from a mindset perspective and ask ourselves, you know, from a leadership perspective, what does that mean for our organizations? And just like I, with my organizations and with the clients I work with, we talk about, are you a results-focused organization or are you an effort-focused organization. And it all very simply means this, is that we all think that just focusing on the end result is really the name of the game. That, hey, we got to see if the, the revenue is where we want it, you know, are the expenses where we want it, like what's the bottom line? But yet time and time again, the organizations are most sustainable, that are more successful, that stick around the longest, they're effort-focused. Because those leaders understand that sometimes the results are going to dip out things that are out of their control. But if they focus on the efforts, the use of their time, money, resources, and team, and they understand how we can continue to maximize what we have in-house that's within our control, if we can see the correlation and we continue to be better at that, ultimately the results over the long haul are going to be better than just us trying to get a quick win here, a quick win there, et cetera. For everybody, this happens so often in the sales department. Sales departments get so focused on what's this month's quota? What's this week's quota? Did you hit this customer? Do we got to give a sale? Do we got to give a discount? Do we got to do this? Do we have all the different things, right? And as a result, they usually have higher levels of turnover within their sales department. They usually have more failed salespeople in the department. Ultimately, they have lower profit margins as a result because the organization has not taken the effort-focused view of what's the best sales process that we need to be the best in sales in general. And so for everybody that's listening to this, this is not the idea to set long-term goals and you know to work backwards in that. It's the idea of saying, can you focus on what you're doing on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis? And is it hyper-focused towards where you want your vision to be? And the more that you focus on those efforts aligning with where you want to go and being better at that, Ultimately, you do two things. Number one, you get to your ultimate vision faster. But also number two, truthfully, you usually surpass it. You usually surpass it. Going back to to, to the Amazon thing, they, this is something – so the, the book, I don't know if you've heard of it, The Four, and it talks about Apple and Google and Facebook mm-hmm. and Amazon. And I believe it's in chapter one. They talk <clears throat> about Amazon and how Amazon has – gotten their investors to a place to have less of a short-term return return, and more of a long-term. And what they do is they're constantly testing things with the understanding that those things are probably going to fail. I mean, you see crazy patents for uh, you know, drone deliveries and flying warehouses and things like that, and they seem so distant to us. But who are we to knock any business from trying something new. And it's funny because always the craziest ideas 
become some of the most long-term impactful ideas. Like how many people knocked Elon Musk for everything that he's been doing with Tesla and SpaceX? And he was so hyper-focused on the future and thinking years, years ahead that so many people that were about now really struggled to see that vision because they live in a completely different galaxy. No pun intended with Elon Musk, but being able to see long distance and the impact of long distance, the 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 word that you use that I absolutely I adore for for purposes of knocking it down is that instant gratification component because it's so natural for us as as humans to go to that place of instant gratification because it fills something now it feels something fills something now and this is this idea too about just escapism that we have in the world because we're filling something that feels off now but we are doing more damage long term because we're compromising that long term vision that long term happiness and success and it happens oh so often i've been guilty of it i think all of us have been guilty of it one point or another and to be able to put down your guard for a second and be that long term viewer is extremely impactful to your ecosystem, your business, you as a person, and that long-term happiness. And so I, I think that that's you honed in on that so perfectly. For anybody, I guess as a as a as a last piece here, going to start a business or thinking about entrepreneurship or thinking about just doing their own thing, what are a few points that you would leave and say, I want you to sit alone in a room with a whiteboard. And I really want you to focus on these three or four or five things that you could kind of summarize all of this for people so that they go out there and now the chances of success are substantially higher because they're focusing on the right things. Yeah, Scott, I think this is a great question because it's going to lead me into something I actually don't normally talk about outside of the, the clients that are really, we're talking like at minimum seven figure businesses running above, but that's going to be my last point because it's not a common thought process, but it's one that for everybody out here, it is integral to truly either dominating an industry or to becoming the known brand, whether it's local, whether it's national, whether it's on a social media, but there's three things I look at time and time again for everything. So first and foremost, if you haven't known, leadership is kind of a big deal to me and a big deal what I believe. So understanding what type of leader you want to be, how you best operate as a leader, and more importantly, building a business that works for you, not trying to fit a business that you are going to try to work in. That's the first and most important thing. So taking a self-inventory, and I will have a cool tool for everybody here to understand their own success DNA. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But very simply, you've got to take an inventory on your own leadership style because ultimately, the business has got to work for you. At the end of the day, because more often than not, the leader is the one that breaks down first, not the business. The second thing is whether you're selling a program, a service, whether you're selling a product, the idea is that simply is this, is that that's got to be the keystone of everything that you do from your marketing sales to your message. So at the end of the day, forget about how you're going to market and sell, forget about how you're going to create this cool message, understand the target client so well and understand what product or program they truly want and build it and make it the best thing on the market. 
So often we hear people talking about, I need to work on my marketing sales. I need to work on about, you know, these different areas of my business. But listen, people are buying solutions. They are buying solutions. My favorite, literally my favorite purchase probably in the past five years has been my Roomba. Why? Because I never have to clean ever again. And that's the same thing, whether you're a coach, right? Are you building a program that's going to basically make it so easy for them to do what you're teaching? If you have a SaaS company, is your technology basically making it super easy? At the end of the day, your program has got to be rising to the top. That's the second piece. The third piece time and time again that I look at people is very simply this, is that are you creating a unique position in the marketplace? Listen, most of us here have heard at some level that at the end of the day, the person who's going to dominate the marketing avenues, who's going to dominate the sales message, going to dominate the space is the person who has the most money. And there's some truth to that. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But one of the things we all can do is we can all be unique. We can all have a different perspective on it. We can all have a different way of how this product applies to a different customer. So understanding where you can position yourself in the market, whether it's locally, internationally, et cetera. And let me be clear, there's no product no service off limits. Our base program, Born Elite, is for those people that are doing a lot of one-on-one work and want to actually lead groups of clients and lead teams. Very simply is one of the fastest growing in its industry. And it's why it's because we got a very different way of actually building that business that is super simple, super easy, and organically works for those types of people. It's an industry that can be saturated. But we were able to build that program because one, it's a passion of mine, but more important, we found a unique way and we can position it uniquely in the market that unlike everybody else, it will instantly stand out so you can get away from the noise. If you focus on those three things, that's going to get you to mid six figures, seven figures, depending on your industry. But Scott, if you're cool with that, I'm going to give you a, my bonus one. And this is this is not a bonus like, oh, here's a bonus tip, you know, like you see on those you know guru like web sales pages. But yep. if you really want to know something that Elon Musk and the Jeff Bezos of the world, this is what they're doing. This is how they are winning. What they understand is is that at the end of the day, they sometimes are seen as visionaries, but all they're really seeing is that. I need to own a certain piece of space. And I'm not talking about te- you know, Tesla and space, outer space. I'm talking about space. They're literally trying to say, if I own more of that space, of that real estate, then it doesn't even matter if I don't have the right message. It doesn't even matter if I don't have the right you know, branding or tellers or whatever people worry about. If I just figure out how I can be around that space and literally be in front of people time and again, I am going to win. Coca-Cola is winning the advertising mental real estate space. Why? Because their commercials are everywhere. They spend how much money doing it? Obviously, we've just talked about Elon Musk putting how many satellites out in the universe. Why? Because he wants to own that particular area so that when ultimately more satellite stuff is, he's going to be there. So for everybody that's listening to this, if you're like at that point where your business is good and you really want to go to great, ask yourself, where can you dominate in terms of space? Maybe it's local, maybe it's a social media, maybe it's a particular, particular target market. But most of the clients I see that go from six to eight figures instantly is they understand, they hone in on where they can truly be the best and they make sure they own that place. That no matter who comes into it, even the Amazons of the world, they can't overtake you because you've taken that position. You basically have planted your flag there. And there's no way, no how anybody else can come into that place and take over it because you have such a stranglehold on it. 
That's how you dominate in a business. That's superb. That's superb. Yeah, I think it's like building skyscrapers to the point where you can't fit a house in between those buildings. And, you know, I know we've been talking a lot about, I won't say her name because I have one in the studio here, but Amazon being able to create a device that makes it, they've removed all of these pieces of friction that the consumer has felt over the years walking into retail. Mm -hmm. Not only have they removed the friction and it's so easy, majority of people, I think it's something crazy, like 64% of people before they go to make a purchase, they go to Amazon first. And they, aside from being obsessed with process, obsessed with knowing and understanding their customers. And I can't remember which documentary it was. Um, I think it was about Cambridge Analytica. I don't get into politics here, but there was a quote on there. And she had said something, a former employee there, and she had said, data has surpassed oil and value. When you understand psychologically what your customer wants before they know what to want. Netflix is a great example. Scrolling through Netflix and going, oh, oh shit, I didn't even think that I wanted to watch that. And I mm-hmm. toss Netflix around on here. But it's it's super fascinating when, as, as a business, the, the space that you talked about, taking up actual physical space and expanding out, you know, to the point where Amazon has their own trucks, has their own carriers, has their own airplanes, has their own boats, all of these different things where they continue to bloat that space. I think of it almost a balloon in a box. There's no more room in that box for anything else. So how do you continue to make that balloon bigger that it takes up all of that area, that there is no more area? So I, I think that that was perfect. Alex, you uh, you brought a ton of value here, man. I, I can't thank you a, a, enough for jumping on, one, taking the time, two, for sharing just your wisdom here. Where can people follow you? And follow all of the projects that you're working on. I want to make sure that people continue to to hear your message at at scale. Yes, God, I'm I'm on a mission here, and I have a vision that you know. Believe I'm telling people right now, and there's a bold statement. You know that at, in ten years, if you don't know me and t- know what I'm doing, but the name of leadership, we're changing the face of it. Because I believe there's a lot of people out there that you know. At the end of the day, we've we've had the bad boss, or we've even had the good leader in our world. But I believe that we are now in a decade where with everything that's happening from technology that I believe there's actually also going to be a refocus back on what really matters when it comes to people. 2020 was so hard for so many people there. And I think one of the reasons we saw it being so hard is that we were so disappointed by whether, and I'm not a political person by any means, whether it's our political leaders, whether it's business leaders, whether it's you know disappointing, we saw disappointment. And I believe this is the decade that we are now seeing whether it's the whether you think of yourself as ordinary or whether you think of yourself as the common man or woman. I believe there are a lot of paradigm shifting leaders out there. And that's my mission. My mission is to make sure that those people come to the surface and rise and to make sure that they not only have the skills and tools, but the support and community to do that. And one of the first and most important things for everybody listening, as I kind of mentioned, is to take inventory and understand your own leadership strengths, how you best operate as a leader. I call it success DNA. So for everybody on here, it's my free gift to you. I don't sell courses. I don't sell information. I give information away for free because I believe the best thing I can do is to mentor you through my other programs. But for those of you that really need to understand their own success DNA, their own leadership type, if you go to alex-kuhn, my last name is spelled K-U-H-N.com forward slash the motivated mind, 
I'm going to give you our entire success DNA program. Literally, it's yours for free. I don't even have a value on it. Somebody told me that they see courses like this that cost $2,000. I don't know how much it would cost because I don't sell it. It's part of our mentorship program. But I'm on a mission here. I have a vision for people like you. If you're listening to this and you've always felt like I was meant to do something special, I've always felt that gut instinct in myself that said, I was supposed to do something. I'm supposed to lead. I'm supposed to be out in front of people. I'm supposed to run a company. I'm supposed to to be better for my community. Then this, you have to download this at alex-coon.com forward slash the motivated mind. I'm telling you, it's going to enlighten you on some leadership things that you've never heard about. And this is coming from people that are Fortune 500 clients that said they've never seen leadership done in this way. And I know it's going to change your world as well. If you do not follow that link, I'm going to come to your house and smack you. The (laughs) fact that the best information is the information that is given for free. And the fact that you're sharing the value with my audience, thank you. Sincerely, that, that means a lot. And I know that all of you will find so much value in this. Please follow the link. I will actually link it in the show notes on this episode too. Well, Scott, you didn't know this. We're already going to be lifelong friends at this point, and we just met there, man. So, but no, I love what you're doing. I love the the conviction that you have about processes and systems, and just it's clear you have. And I say this in the most beautiful way: an obsession about it. So, I just appreciate you. I know that for a lot of people, I know you've been doing this podcast. It's, I think you said. Three years? It's coming up on three years would be this year, yeah, correct yeah, there? Yeah. So just congrats, man. That's awesome. It's very, just very awesome of you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Alex. And thanks for sharing you with the world. It's beautiful, the vision you have. And I mean that sincerely to as well. And um, best of luck with everything. I do want to stay in contact with you. So I'm sure I will be reaching out soon. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch, and our guest, Alex Kuhn. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into leadership and building a business that aligns with you. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the motivated underscore mind and on Facebook at The Motivated Mind Podcast. Don't forget to join me next week for another episode. I love you all, and thanks so much for listening. Motivated Mind is a mindset production.